Jason Waller here, True Underdog Podcast and YouTube channel. Listen, make sure you subscribe today. You can go to iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can go to our YouTube channel, True Underdog, or you can visit trueunderdog.com and subscribe to all of it. Damn, damn, damn. True Underdog. Damn, damn, Unleash damn. the power Jason Waller here, True Underdog Podcast. All the underdogs out there, we've got an amazing show for you coming out right now. We have someone who's an actress, a producer, a podcaster, and an entrepreneur. She is a Hollywood badass. She is at the top of her game. <laughs> Melissa Carcacci, how are you doing? I am doing so good. What a fantastic, fantastic intro, Jason. Thank like you that. so much for that. Yeah, that was good. Hey, I hyped up. <laughs> I, I, I try. You've got some energy. I, I'm a fan. I've watched some of your stuff. You've got a lot of things going on, and I love how you have this entrepreneur spirit, which we're going to get into in the show, how you're how you're running a business and, and building that up, and you do an awesome podcast with your sister. You've been on TV. You produce things. I mean, you've got a lot of things going on, and you're in Miami. I mean, you're in the best place in the world right now with the weather, I right? Yes. I mean, it's a little. It's starting to get a little too hot for my comfort, but yes, I, I consider it to be the best place in the world. Yes. Well, well, awesome to have you on the show. My kids are big fans of every which way, myself included, but let's backtrack a little bit. You know, growing up in the tropics of Miami, you were acting as far back as kindergarten. Take us back to those days. Oh, wow. A five years old is really where I discovered my true passion for acting. You know, I, I was in a little play. I was dressed up as a crow. I had no lines. I don't even know what the play was about. But, you know, I really, I told my mom, I said, I really like this. It's a lot of fun. I want to get into it. And she was like, no, you're not going to start working as a child actor. You're going to be a kid because my parents are from Cuba and they know what it's like to not have a you know, a normal and great childhood. And they wanted their children to enjoy, you know, being a kid and not having to worry about things. And so um, my mom's like, no, you're not going to start working uh, at this age. And so I begged and I begged and at 14, she allowed me to finally start to take classes, which that was such a big win for me. And I was very smart because I chose a place that was an acting class sort of school, but they had a management and agency side. So I was like, if I can get into the classes and there's an agent and a manager in that same academy, I can start auditioning. She didn't know that part till later. Um, and then I, I started auditioning since I was 14, but I didn't get my first big break till I was 24 years old. So it took me 10 solid years to be on a TV show and, and really get my career going. But, you know, I'm grateful for the journey. It's what makes, what makes any person strong are the struggles and the setbacks. And I'm grateful for it. Well, I can tell you this. I haven't been on, I've been on a, a small portion of a TV game show, right? Oh, and fine. I've done some TV commercials, but the, it is tiring and exhausting. I'm there eight, 10, 12 hours filming a commercial to be on a show and to put the work that yourself or anybody that's in acting, the work they put in, I don't think some of the viewers understand it's 16 hour days, yeah. months, months yeah. of work. And it's tough. They got to take 45 different redos of each angle of you saying the same thing. I've yeah. seen just a taste of it. And I'm like, wow. So I've got the utmost respect for how much work is put in to putting a quality product out there for people to watch. 
Yeah, that's why my dad doesn't like to visit me on set. He thinks it's the most boring thing on the planet. He's like, I don't want to watch you say this line a hundred million ways. He's like, I don't care. Why can't you get it in the first row? I'm like, dad, it's not me. I'm just here to deliver the message. That's, <laughs> that's right. They, they need different views. People don't understand. They need a top view, a bottom view, a left yes. view, a right view. I mean, it is crazy how much time goes into that, but really good stuff. So you moved to California on your own to get started, right? Tell us about that. I did. I was 18 years old. I never went to college um, or anything like that. The deal was, you know, I had to graduate high school. Like I said, my mom was so adamant about my childhood. She was like, listen, you don't have to go to college. And although I was, I'm very lucky and I was going to sound bad to, to listeners, but my parents, when I was younger, they did that. It was called Florida prepaid. So I could go to any community college and they paid it little by little as a kid. So by the time that I graduate high school, I can go to any community college I wanted. I didn't take advantage of that because I wanted to be an actress. And I was like, if I commit four years to college to, I don't know what I want to do in college. I, I just want to be an actress. Do they even teach that? It's like, you know, and I know there's theater programs and stuff. I am a, a hands-on learner. I got to be on the field. I got to make those mistakes. That's really who I am. And a textbook is not going to help me do that. So I said, mom, here's my diploma. I graduated high school. I'm leaving. So I pack my bags and me and my little dog, Romeo, who I just lost recently, we've been together for 15 years. Him and I just moved across the country. He had just, I think he only, I think he turned one years old when we first moved there. I moved in August and his first birthday was in December. So literally a puppy, him and I were just two puppies, two little kids moving across the country together. And, um, and it was a tough journey, Jason, because as an 18 year old and just being Cuban American, you know, Miami, as you know, you've, you've been here. It's very Latino. It's very diverse, right? So I never really felt that I was quote unquote different until I moved to Los Angeles and my friends that I made there that were from Texas, that were blonde hair and blue eyed, you know, they were going these fabulous auditions. And I would tell my agent, Hey, can I go on that audition too? She's like, no. And I was like, why? She's like, cause you're Latina. And I'm like, what does that mean? She's like, you look a certain way. You don't look like them. And so I was like, what does that have anything to do? Because I couldn't comprehend, like my brain could not wrap around the fact that just because I looked different than my friend, I couldn't audition for the same role. So during that time, although I'm so grateful to have seen the industry really flourish during the time that I got in it, you know, after 2006, it was when I moved there. I, there was no opportunities for me. Like I wasn't auditioning. And so I barely knew anybody. I moved there not knowing anyone really. My friends that I had were in my acting class. I had a really terrible acting teacher who I would not share his name because he is a teacher to very famous people, but he would put me down in class every single week. And I thought it was like my talent or something. And I think it had a lot to do with maybe who I was or in terms of my background, I don't know really, but I got into this really, really terrible depression. It was the it was three years in. I was just, I mean, I, I, I didn't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. I was just like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Like my, I felt a calling in my heart to move because I knew that that was what it was meant for me to do. And I did it. Now I'm here and now nothing is going right. Not even a little hope. Meaning if I could at least get an audition, that would be great. You know, that, at least I know I'm, I'm putting in some work, but I'm not even being seen. And then I'm, I'm, I'm in this acting class that I think is great because there's all these celebrities that are on TV and film in my own class. But this teacher is basically telling me I don't even deserve to be here. And so I'm like, I don't know what's happening. And then those first three years were really tough, moved back to Miami and said, okay, I'm going to take a brief pause and I'm not going to quit because I'm not a quitter, but I'm going to take a pause and let's figure out what do you want to do? What do you, how do, how do you want to approach this acting thing? And so I got into producing. And that's that, you know, my, my parents are entrepreneurs. So my dad always said to me, he's a general contractor and he's had 
many businesses prior that failed. So I've seen the ups and downs of what being an entrepreneur truly is. And my dad always said, you know, if I waited for somebody to give me the CEO position of a construction company, it would never happen. I barely speak English. I don't have an education. So I had to create it for myself. And so when I was 21 years old for my 21st birthday, my dad bought me my first MacBook and like a script writing software. And he was like, create it for yourself. He's like, you want to be an actor? Create it for yourself. And I was like, okay. Started dabbling into writing, fell in love with the process. And then um, I sold my first TV show at 22 years old, a year later. Um, the show didn't go anywhere, but it opened up a new window. So let me, me stop you there. What yeah. was that like at 22 to sell a show you wrote? Like- you know, well, what's interesting is this one, um, it was a reality show and it was really awesome. I, I'm such a person of challenge. I don't know what it is. I love the fight. Like the fight for me, it gets me excited about life. And so the fact that I was only 22, no experience and just really got in there. Like, and at the time we didn't have social media, like to the extent that we have today and all these things, I'm 33 now. So it's just like, I don't even know how I got all that information, but it was email after email, knocking people's doors, calling people, seeing who can I talk to to get through the door. And I got in and that to me was such a thrilling process. The pitching process is fun. You know this because you love to pitch. You're the king of pitching. Um, the pitching process is so fun. And all the, you, know, you make a lot of mistakes in the beginning as you get started, but that's the parts that I like because I love to learn. I'm such a learner, but I love to learn from those parts, the challenges, the, the hardships, right? And I said, ooh, something in me is stirring up. I didn't know that I loved this part of, of my business, of entertainment. And then shortly after, about a year and a half after that, Every Which Way came along. That is awesome. And so when you, Every Which Way came along and you, and you were on that show, you, you're writing, you're producing, mirrored your real life, and you founded your own production company, Ramdan Productions, right? Yeah. How cool is that? How old are you at that time? I was that age. I was about 21, 22. So that's when I opened up the company was at that time. That's so awesome. Yeah. Okay. So you talked about your parents being entrepreneurs. You saw them struggle yes. and overcome adversity. You saw your dad, you know, take the, the bull by the horns and really find a way to better his family. I'm sure there was pressure. I know at least for me, like I didn't go to college. My parents didn't have a lot. They weren't entrepreneurs. So mine was a little bit opposite where I saw my dad not take risks, but I watched him break his back and work his butt off for me to have anything. And it wasn't much. I got made fun of at school because I didn't have a lot. So I had this mentality of I can do it, right? I can be tough just to hear you talk. And like, I was getting like, I was getting energized (laughs) and not a lot of people can energize a room like the way you can. And I believe sometimes I can, like you come in and you've got this whole, like, I'm tough and this is what I'm going to do. I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm banging doors. I'm doing everything I've got to do to get it done. You get that from your parents because that's what they did. They came in here from Cuba, busted their butt, didn't take no for an answer and really created an opportunity there for for you to do the life you wanted. Was there pressure? Back when I was younger, there was a lot of pressure from outside. Some my family, but more from the outside. Well, if you don't go to college, you're a loser. Did you feel that pressure at all? I didn't. And the reason why I didn't was because my parents... I don't know if I can use this word on your show, but ballsy too. Like you can say whatever you want on my show, girl. Okay, good. (laughs) They were ballsy. Like they were the people that really just went out and reinvented themselves a million times. And the fan, they they felt more the pressure. It was like the family was like, "Why don't you have a job?" Like you know, all the sacrifice. Because you know, my grandparents when they came, they were younger. My dad was about twelve, and my mom was eight. So my grandparents were the ones that really had to struggle, and my parents definitely did. But they didn't take the traditional route, like. I'm telling you, my dad got into construction 
my dad had just declared bankruptcy from his previous business that lost, he lost everything. My mom was pregnant. My sister, I was three years old. He, he had five bucks in his wallet and he gave, he paid for my mom to have Chinese food because she was craving, she was pregnant. So like for me to know these stories of my family, there's no excuse for me not to do what I have. Like, I don't have, you know, I hope to be a mother one day, but you know, I don't have that pressure to have to feed a family or, you know, have all this. I don't, I don't have that. Right. Because I saw it with my own eyes throughout my lifetime and theirs where I'm just like, okay, like they went through that and they got out of it. I can too, you know? So the pressure is really the pressure that I put on myself because I love to be the best in what I do. I don't do things 50% or less. like it's a hundred or more period. Oh, I can not, feel that from you. It's a hundred percent. I love that. It's like, <laughs> you're ready to go. Oh yeah. If not, then what's the point. Right. And I do, I truly believe that we're all here for a purpose and a mission. I'm a faith driven person. I, I really allow God to put his hand on me and just tell me where to go. And sometimes I don't know where he's telling me to go. And I'm like, whatever you're telling me to go here, I'll go here, but I'm confident that you will be there and show up for me to tell me, this is why I told you to come here. So I'm okay with that. You know what I'm saying? I, I, the pressure really only comes from myself. I'm very, very hard on myself. So it's, I don't allow other people to do that. I allow myself to do it. No, I love that you talk about your faith. I talk on my show about faith all the time. And, and you know, there's always something bigger than us. And, you know, God gives us what we can handle and gives us guidance. And we got to ask for answers. And sometimes we don't get the answers. Yeah. We got to go find them because that's what he wants us to do. Yes. So I love that that you're able to talk about that. And I love the energy that you're bringing and how your parents really inspire. I mean, when you see our parents growing up or anybody's situation, the listeners, viewers out there, when you see people going through tougher times than what we are going through, you have to ask yourself, like, yeah, how bad can it be? Like, I, I can get yeah. through this. This isn't the end of the world. The sun's still coming out. I got food on the table. I can go out here and grind. And what I like to say, I put it in my book, create your own map. And that's what you did. You didn't take no for an answer. You were in LA and LA is a little weird. I mean, you lived out a there little. a while. It's a little weird, <laughs> right? And and it's very clicky. And you know, and and you're right. You're out there, and and you know, you're Cuban American. You're out there, and they're like, what says it? You don't fit that 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 right. set. And so you right. go back home, and you find your way. You created your own map. You took that yes. to the next level, and really conquered that. Now. You also started Millennial Women alongside your sister, Stephanie, which is a multimedia platform that curates inspirational resource of full content. Talk us through the idea of starting the company. Oh, wow. So, you know, it's, it's interesting. History almost repeated itself when I was around that 18 to 21 range, although I did not get into a depression again because I knew how to not get there. But when I got off of every which way, you know, I this calling on my heart to produce once I, I did my, sold my first TV show, I was like, that's what I want to do. And when I got on every which way, I couldn't do that. As you know, you know, TV shows, I mean, it's takes your whole life away, but I felt so not happy. Although I had accomplished my dream. I remember sitting in the trailer and I was waiting, you know, to be called on set. And I was like, why don't I feel happy about this? I'm like, something isn't right. And I almost felt a little bit like worried because I was working. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it's 10 years of my life to accomplish this goal. And now I'm here and I'm not happy this is some scary stuff. Right. And so when I, I, one of the other days I was there and I was like, you know what? I think it's the producing thing. I, I'm not living to my fullest potential. I'm not, I'm not like showcasing my talents to its fullest potential. I'm not just an actor. And so I promised myself that when I got off of every which way that I would go back into producing, that's what I was going to do. And so the show ended, moved back to Los Angeles. Cause I was like, well, if I want to produce big time. And now I've got this big credit and I've got all these connections. Let's go back to where it all started. Now let's make it happen. Right. And nothing happened. 
for another three years. It was the same thing. And I said, I can't believe this is happening to me again. Like I have this thing, I have all these, you know, doors have opened up. What's happening to me? So Stephanie and I, my sister, who's a recording artist and has traveled all over the world singing, her career as an artist was really, really bad. At that point, I had already run out of money because I don't know if people know this, but, you know, in entertainment, there's union jobs and non-union jobs. The union jobs are the good paying ones. Now, Every Which Way was a non-union show because we shot it in Miami, Florida. And you can get away with that because in Florida, they're not the laws and regulations that they are in Los Angeles. So we got paid not that much. And we only got paid for the job we did that one time. So that means the show has aired all over the world and we do not see a single penny from that, which is horrible. Um, But that's for another conversation, Jason. Um, But people don't realize that it's important. They say, Oh, you're famous and you're on TV and you're rich and one and two aren't the same. No, not the same. And people don't realize that it's really hard work and, you know, where you film things and who you're working for really dictates things. It's not like absolutely what you read about. And even if somebody were to make 10, 50, 30 million dollars on a movie, you've got taxes, you've got all these other things, insurance, stuff that you have to pay. You don't see that at the end of the token. I think the, the mindset of people sometimes or the perception is, oh, they're on TV, they're rich, they're okay. That's not the case. Go ahead. Continue. I wanted to, wanted to get to this. Yeah, no, no, but you're so spot on because that is a big misconception, right? Because when I shared this part of the story where I was sharing this really tiny one bedroom, one bathroom apartment with Stephanie in the Valley of Los Angeles broke with no money. It's hard for people to understand that. They're like, well, wait, but you were on a TV show. So I, it's important for me to share that because not every person's journey is the same. And truthfully, my industry, you know, the, the unless you are the George Clooney's of the world, you don't make that much money anymore. It's just because of podcasts like this, like what we've been able to create with podcasting, social media, all that, it's diminished the traditional side of entertainment um, in a way where the money's not there anymore, like how it used to be, which is fine because I love this new medium. This is like my, I feel like the internet and this whole world was made for me. It was, it's just been like perfect. This is your jam, right? This is your jam. Yeah, this is my jam. And so Stephanie and I were looking for something to motivate us. We were like, my God, like we are like down in the dumps. How the hell are we going to get out of this? You know what I mean? And so we found ourselves watching the movie Rocky again and again. Great movie. By the way, my favorite movies of all time. That's why I think we might be related somehow. Yes, they're great. They're great. But I couldn't relate a hundred. I'm like, but, but this is not, you know, in the, in, in, I think at that time was 2016, 2015, not speaking to us millennial women, like not speaking to what's going on in the world today with social and all this. And so we were searching for something like that and we couldn't find it. So I said, guess what we're going to do? We're going to create it because that's just what I do. So, you know, I put pen to paper and wrote a pilot, which is what I do. That is, I write and I create. So I wrote this script called Millennial Girls. And essentially it was about these four women, you know, moving to Los Angeles and figuring out their own way. It was like a sex in the city meets entourage. And we pitched it all over town. You know how much I love pitching. And people kept saying, you know, we love the idea and the concept, but we don't want to invest in the project, but there's something about you two. We like you two together. There's something special there. I don't know what that is, but we're just not going to invest, but go figure out what that is. So one day I just woke up and I told Stephanie, we're moving back home to Miami. I mean, it was instant that morning. I'm moving back home next month and I don't know what's going to happen, but this is not going to be a TV show. It's going to be a podcast and I'm just going to figure it out, but we're moving next month to start packing your things. So we did. We moved back home. I called my dad. I said, dad, I need 
some little spot in your warehouse where I can, where there's no noise, where I could just, I got to record this podcast. And he's like, what are you talking about? So we picked this small little closet in the back of our parents' warehouse and we set up our little shop with our little mics and everything. It was, it was terrible. We didn't know what we were doing. And I said, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be millennial women talk and it's going to be a traveling podcast. So we were the first of its kind pre-COVID. We actually traveled across the country hosting live podcast meetup events. And I said to her, there's no way that we can hear the voices of the women of our generation through fictional characters. This has to be in person. We have to hear them. We have to meet them. And we have to build a community of like-minded women so that we could figure out this new world together in community and lift each other up. And so that's where the idea sort of came to be. It was a journey to get there, right? Because I think a lot of people think you have an idea and you just press play or press record. And it's definitely, at least not for me, my life is always taking some sort of path. And that's how the podcast is born. That's so awesome. Another great story. And you guys have been doing it for how long now? So for four years, but we are in our third season. We did not release a new season in 2020. Uh, we we were really focused on providing more value for our community. So this uh, we're currently in our third season, but we've been podcasting for four years. This episode is sponsored by Podbean Advertising Marketplace. Podcast advertising is one of the most cost-effective ways to advertise your product or service. Just like you're hearing this, thousands of people could be hearing your ad. For much less than radio or other media, you can reach local listeners with podcast advertising. Podcast awareness and listening continue to rise. In fact, according to Edison Research, podcast listeners have grown by 29.5% since 2018. Chartable reports, podcast listeners tend to have significantly higher household incomes than the U.S. average, and they tend to be significantly more educated than the U.S. average. This is great news because you can run your own ads on podcasts easily for an affordable price with Podbean Advertising Marketplace. Set a daily budget cap, analyze results, and modify campaigns on the fly. And the best part is, these ads are highly targeted. Choose your location, city, state, county, and target by customer interest. Get into the ears of your perfect customer without blowing your budget. Go to podbean.com forward slash true underdog. That's podbean.com forward slash true underdog to start boosting your business with podcast advertising now. The process is super easy. Podbean can have a professional voice artist record the ad for you, or you can upload your own audio. Again, that's podbean.com forward slash true underdog to get your ads on podcasts just like this one. I love yeah. that. I love the story that you and your sister, you're ballsy. You, you packed your stuff, went back, yeah. so let's start this over again, right? <laughs> yep. The I always press the reset. The tree. Yeah. I, there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. There, you got to build different things and, you know, different paths take us down things. I mean, this is the yeah. third business I've built and you get, okay, I'm bored. What, a couple of things I want to touch base on. So you were sitting there at the top and you're, you're on this show and you're in the trailer and you're like, you're bored. You're not as happy as you can be. Oh, so bored. So people out there listening need to understand when you hit a plateau, depression will kick in. Things get at you because we, uh, some of us need to be challenged. We need to be pushed. We need to have things in our way to keep us busy and keep us excited. Because if we don't, and we hit that top, there's nothing else to chase. We need yes. things to chase. And Melissa, you have to chase something because once you conquer everything, you're like, eh, what now? And that's where you're like, I'm going to do this too. 
I'm the same way. A lot of listeners out there are the same way. You get to a spot and you're like, all right, there's nowhere else to grow. And then you get sad and you get bored. You always have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Find different things. One of the things you're doing now is empowering people. Yeah. sharing stories and success stories. And, you know, with millennial women, like you are taking things out there and serving people and giving something back. That is fulfillment, right? People think, you know, success is money or, you know, how many employees you have or, how you, you know, being famous. Success is having fulfillment and getting fulfillment is giving mm-hmm. back to others and serving others because you don't get bored doing that. You yeah. can get bored winning every award. You can get bored being the best actress or actor or the best you know, CEO entrepreneur, but you don't get bored helping people. And so I think you really got onto something when you, you and your sister jumped on this is you have, it keeps that challenge going. You said you feel like you need to be challenged. You, you want that pressure. There's not many of us like, like that, but I'm proud of you for being like that because that's, (laughs) that's what it takes to get to the next level, right? There's no elevator in life. You got to take the stairs and grinding it, starting small in a closet. I mean, first company I opened, even the third company I opened and I did well the first two, but lost everything, putting in third. I had a tile board from Home Depot cost me 25 bucks <laughs> and I couldn't afford computers. I had manila folders. True wow. story on, on two out of the three companies. That's what I did. It was like, wow. you have to know that it's okay to start here and mm-hmm. stay in the moment. I have a big theory of if you keep your goals at 30 days, 60 days, 90 days and 180 days, and you never look past that 180 days. That's a dream goal. You put that down as I'm, but if you stay in that 180 days, you always have something to chase. Oh, yes. It's so good. I mean, I like to stay there because, and then, and nothing's too big for me because people are like, what is it like running a company? It's going to do, you know, 700 million revenue. I said, well, it's no different than what it was 90 days ago when we were on pace to do 600. But if you ask the old me five years ago, I'd be like, no way. But it took a bunch of those 180 days, those 60 days, those 90 day goals where I'm living in the moment. I'm always pushing my KPIs or my goals up. That's what it takes in any industry, in any job, in any relationship. And yes. Really showing that's pretty cool. It's a good Absolutely. story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because my dad, you know, we launched another family business in 2020. Yep. My dad talk is Talk about that business because I wanted to yes. talk about that. Yes. Yes. So um, my dad, who's 63 now, I think he's either 62 or 63, uh, four and a half years ago came to us and said, guys, I, I want to do another business. And we're like, dad, you should be like retiring, you know, like just like live your life. But my dad, you know, I get this a lot from my dad, both parents really. We don't stop. We're always like, what's the next challenge? My dad is also thrives under challenges as well. And so the company that put him under was a food company. It was a snack company. He did pork rinds and these things called mariquitas. They were like plantain chips. And so he said, I want to, I want, that always bothered me that I failed at that. And before I die, I have to succeed in it. And I was like, okay, so you want to do those chips again? And he goes, no, I want to do my mother's recipe. My grandmother, his mom, created this flour-based chip in Cuba to make ends meet when, so basically when you, back in the day, I don't know how it is today to leave the country, um, but you have to kind of put in the, like these paper, uh, paperwork to go in to leave the country. And it's like a four or five year process to leave. And so when that happens, and once you get accepted that your paperwork goes through, they strip you from your job. They, the husbands go to concentration camps, your oldest child does too. It's like a really traumatizing four years as almost like a punishment because you're leaving the country. Um, and so my grandmother had no money and she started making these flower based chips and selling them behind the, you know, everybody's back because you can't do it to make a little bit of money to buy what she could to feed, you know, her children. 
And so once it came to America, because she did so well in Cuba, she was like, I'm just going to do it in Miami. And she did. Her whole little apartment complex would knock on her door. It reminds me so much of that scene in Friends where Monica makes the the little chocolates and the candies that people are knocking, you know, and everybody's just coming for these chips. And her dream, you know, she has such an entrepreneur. I mean, if my grandmother was alive today, she was my age, she would be the most badass entrepreneur on the planet because that was just who she was. Right. And so like her dream was to make this into a business. But the recipe is so unique that it cannot really survive on a shelf for a long period of time. It's a very in the moment, you know, snack. You have to eat it right when it's cooked. And so she could have never, you know, she just didn't know how to make it into a business. And so my dad said, I want to take that recipe. I want to figure that out. And that is going to be my next business. And it took him four and a half years to figure out how to make this chip. He had to invent and build his own machine of how to actually produce the product. So he was, I was like, dad, so not only are you now still an entrepreneur, now you're an inventor because you created this machine. Like it's all these things oh. that my dad did to make it happen. And then last year we wanted to launch. And then during the pandemic, you know, I looked at my dad and I said, dad, you have every, everything's ready to go. What are we waiting for? Like we can just launch on the internet. And he says, you know what? You're right. And so August of 2020, I opened up a Shopify account. Um, and he was in shock. He was so cute. He was like, what do you, I was like, okay, dad, the chips are ready to be sold. He goes, what do you mean? I was like, look, it's, it's right here in front of the computer. And he was like, this is crazy. He's like, I, he's for him. It's like, oh, we got to put it in the stores, which we are. We're in in some stores here in South Florida, but he couldn't believe that he was in a global store. Like I was like, yeah, dad, we can ship this anywhere in the world. And it was just so cool to, to see his face and see the product out there. And now we ship all over the world and we are in a bunch of stores down here in South Florida. So it's, it's been a really nice journey as a family and uh, in a nice way to pay homage to, to my grandmother for the sacrifice that she made to come to this country. So it's just, it's been great. Uh, that is awesome. I gotta, what, I gotta what send you a box. Com- yeah, tell <laughs> t- tell over the listeners and viewers what the product name is and how they can find it. It's called Crunchy Waves and it is a flour-based chip. And right now we have three flavors, sea salt, cheddar cheese, and frosted crunch. Frosted crunch is my favorite because if you've ever had a funnel cake, it tastes oh, like a funnel cake in a chip. I'm it's in. the most delicious thing. <laughs> you gotta sign me in for that. I'm, I'm look, sending I- you a box. I eat really bad. So that's right down my alley. I work out every day and eat bad. I play for a tie. Most people want to win. I want to win in life, but I play for a tie when it comes to my body. (laughs) My son gets mad like, dad, you work out every day and nothing changes. I said, but I eat what I want. Yes. It's a tie, right? Yes. I don't, I don't need to be the guy that's all in shape all the time. That's not important. I love it. I like to eat good food. I definitely would try that. So let, let me ask you this as well. What's next for you? What do you oh, see wow. yourself going on for you in the next two years, in the next five years? What do you see? What are those dream goals that I mentioned? Like, where do you see you going? So I have a really massive dream. Uh, my massive dream is to have my own studio. And I want to produce not just my own content, but I want other creators to come and create their content in, in my sphere or universe and give them as much tools or resources as they need to be the best in their field, whether they're in podcasting or a writer or whatever they want to do. But I want them to be the best and create the best. And I want to be able to offer them the best tools and resources to make that happen for them. I know what it's like to be on the other end. I know what it's like to not have people believe in you and not want to help you. And I want to be that for people. I think creators are special in the sense that they have gifts that are not as celebrated as let's just say a business owner, right? Because a business owner, they almost have something to show for. It's like, this is my business. This is, you know, and they see the numbers and they see the structure and the employees and all the things. A creator is 
it's in their mind, it's in their heart. And, you know, a lot of people can't take them seriously for that because they're like, you have nothing to show for, right? And to create a product, even, you know, podcasting too, it takes a little bit. I think podcasting is probably the most affordable way to create media and create content, which is why I love pod- podcasting to me. I love, but podcasters in general have a very special space in my heart because I know that it's 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 an easy way to get their their voices and their messages out there. And so for me, my dream is to have my own studio and create the best content that can help people and just be of service in any way that I can and just continue doing what I'm doing today. Uh, I love, I love the show. I love podcasting. I love millennial women talk and I, you know, just creating more content. That's really what I love to do. But my big ultimate dream is to have my own studio. That's what I would love to have. I love that. That's a, I, th- I think that's a very attainable dream. I think you keep grinding so to get there and, and then you'll be able to empower and serve and help people and, and create what you want out of that studio, which is exciting. Yeah. You're not stuck to the realm. I always get messages from a lot of the underdogs out there, all walks of life asking me, like, what's the keys to success? So I always talk about, you know, the keys to open a business. And I have like three rules, like pay your employees first, pay your vendor second, reinvest third, never pay yourself unless you got anything left, like get used to eating ramen noodles and, yeah. and tomato soup, right? You're, you're, you'll figure it out. What advice would you give for those wanting to get into acting or producing? What, what advice would you give to them? The best advice I can give, and it's been said a lot of times, and I'll explain why it's, I'm passionate about it, is never give up. And the reason why I say that is because the only way you truly quit anything in life is if you actually quit and stop and give up. That's the only way. But if you wake up every single day, and I know you're not going to feel motivated every day, because I, I certainly didn't. I didn't know if this was going to happen for me or not. I just knew that I had to do it. And by putting one foot in front of the other every single day and saying, I'm just going to keep trying. If I never make it, then I never made it. But at least I can't say I gave up on it. And that's the reason why I didn't make it. You never want that to be the reason. You never want it to be because you quit. That sucks. Because by the time that you're 80 or 90, you're like, oh, I could have, I should have. And then you're too late. Who wants to live like that? I much rather be broke and still trying and like you said, eating ramen noodles or not eating at all, whatever it Amen takes. Amen to that. And to yes. say I didn't even try because yeah. that takes more courage than for you to do something you don't want to do or for you to be unhappy because you're going to be unhappy by doing something you don't like to do. People don't realize that. You have to do what makes you happy. Whatever your heart desires, that we all have a purpose to fulfill. And it's not about becoming a millionaire. It's about becoming happy. It's about doing the things that make you happy. And money does not solve those problems for anybody. Nobody is immune. You know, you can have all the millions in the world, the billions. Let's just give you the billions. Let's give everybody the billions. You're not immune to the hardships, to the heartaches, to the struggles, to health problems, to death, to grief. You're not immune. It's lonely at the top. That's what my yeah. therapist says, right? I have yeah. a therapist. I think everybody should have a therapist. My yes. therapist says the bigger you get, the more money you make, the smaller your circle gets, the more depressed you get. Because yeah. you have nothing to chase. Oh, I bought this car. I bought this plane. I bought this house. And that's why suicide rate and depression is so high amongst you know millionaires and billionaires because what else are they chasing? So you really yeah. touched on that during the show that I think listeners and viewers need to understand. Find something to chase. It's not about money. It's about success and success is fulfillment. Mm-hmm. And if you can fulfill yourself and helping other people keeps giving you that, that fuel to keep going, Mm -hmm. then you won't be depressed. But if you just sit there and you get everything you want, you've got nothing to chase, 
it's sad. It's lonely. I mean, it I've is. been there. You, you've been there. We've been there where it's like, I got to find something that, that keeps this motor running or I'm going to have a problem. Oh, and absolutely. I love to help people. I love to inspire people. That's what this podcast is about. Like telling real stories where people can be relative and, and understand and, oh, wow, I, that, that makes sense. I, I can do that. I, I can go through that struggle. You know, that, that person is a real person. They're not some, you know, superstar. They, they have real problems. I can be relative to that. And I think that's important. Well, I also think people need to know this because I remember growing up, I used to hear this all the time. Don't give up on your dreams, follow your dreams. I'm like, yeah, how do I do that? When, you know, like what's the path? And so something I want to share with, with your listeners that I think would be of value is, you know, I understand that when you're chasing a dream, you still need to make an income because there's things called bills that none of us are immune to either. We all got to do them. And so do whatever it takes to make obviously legal money and decent money to keep yourself afloat, but always work on your passion every single day. Because even when I, you know, got off of the TV show that I was starting a new venture, I had to move in with my parents, you know, and I got to move out after, but I had to move back in with them. I had to actually work for them again so that I could make a little bit of money so that I can get back on my feet and continue on with the mission. But the mission was never stopped. I never stopped working on the mission. It was every single day. So I think it's important for people to know that because it's easy to sit here and say, follow your dreams and don't give up. But what is that practical tip that I can implement in my life today for that listener that's in between of saying, yeah, but I got to survive, but I have this, you know, this calling place out of my heart. Just don't give up on the calling. Calling is every day, Sunday to Sunday, 24 seven, that calling is you got to put in the work, right? It's going to maybe take you longer, but it doesn't matter. Do what you got to do to provide for your family, but don't give up on what you are here called to do. And I, I felt, I felt like I needed to say that. <laughs> bam, that, 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 bam, that's called a mic drop. So yeah. Melissa, how can, how can the listeners and viewers find you, find your podcast, you know, find Crunchy's Wave? How can they find all that? Let them know. Oh my gosh. If I name all the things, I think they'll get lost. Just go to my Instagram at Melly Carcace and my link in my bio are all the things. Millennium Talk is there. Crunchy Waves is there. I have a new TV series called Hialeah Series that I wrote and produces there. I have all the things. I'm a busy woman, Jason. There's a lot going it. on in my world. That's great though. Busy <laughs> yes. is good. Not busy, busy is, is good. a, it keeps you, keeps you happy. You got a great smile, great energy. Thank, Thank you. you for coming on the show and sharing your story, inspiring others. I appreciate that. That's a wrap here on True Underdog. Bam. And that concludes another episode here on True Underdog. If you're interested in hearing more, make sure you subscribe at iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or the YouTube channel. You can always visit trueunderdog.com. Subscribe to all of them. Make sure you check out our newest episodes coming out on Mondays and Thursdays. True Underdog, baby. Damn, damn, damn. True Underdog. Damn, damn, damn. Unleash the power.